didn't even see it land. I didn't even know it hit the cafe there. Holy smokes, he did it! Off the Hidden Air Cafe! Today is April 26th. Welcome back to the Hit It Here podcast. If you're with us on YouTube or over on Spotify, we appreciate it. This is episode five of the Hit It Here podcast. Today, we're going to be going over the Mariners series in Philadelphia and some interesting moves the Mariners made with the rotation during this series. Joe, game one, break it down for me. Well, Marco Gonzalez got the the start on the bump instead of Logan Gilbert. It was, you know, the way the rotation was shaping up. It was supposed to be Logan Gilbert versus Bailey Falter, right? Yeah, I think that's the guy that started for the Phillies. And Marco gets the nod instead. And I don't know what this means. If Flexen's done, if they're going to call up somebody else, if Robbie Ray is looking a little bit healthier. I did see that Robbie Ray, they're going to be taking a look at him. Uh, and if he is looking like he's ready to throw, he's going to begin his rehab start or rehab re- his rehab stint in Arizona, I believe. Correct? Yep, that is right. So I don't think that... At least this time, throw the rotation. I don't think Robbie would be back. No, I think yeah. probably it, even it, not the next time either. It would so. be probably like their next homestand, like after they return home from Oakland yeah. or maybe like therefore after that. But I know it's – I feel like the time the time frame is looking a bit sooner than I think a lot of us had originally thought when we saw this injury come up for Robbie Ray. But, yeah, Marco got the start in game one, and he had one blemish. Ed, Edmundo Sosa just took him Yahtzee. Hit an absolute pimp job. Like, as soon as he hit it, he just dropped the bat and he knew. But five innings, one run, that's all you can ask for from Marco Gonzalez. I'm surprised Scott did let him go out there and go for six, but the bullpen was fresh. I understand going to your guys at that point. What do you What do you think? What do you make of Marco? Is this, is this you know, back-to-back just kind of like lightning striking twice? A clock is right. A, bro- a broken clock is twice right a day? Or what do, you, what do you think about Marco so far? Carry the four. Yeah. You'll get that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I understand why they didn't let him go out there again because you were about to face the meat of the lineup with Trey Turner, Schwarber, etc. So maybe having those guys face Marco Gonzalez a third time might be a recipe for disaster. So I understand why they did it. But no, I think this is overall who the new Marco Gonzalez is. I don't think this is lightning striking twice because you can very easily tell how he's changed up his game plan. He's throwing a lot more off speed. He's throwing a lot more breaking balls and a lot less fastballs. I don't remember the exact um amount i think he threw like 30 percent fastballs in this start compared really? to like probably like 50 percent in the last one again i don't have the numbers in front of me but i think i remember angie saying that on the broadcast and it's just something that if you're marco gonzalez and he even talked about it in his post-game interview that he needs to have a little bit more finesse and he needs to he knows that he doesn't throw hard he know he knows he's not overpowering he knows he needs to hit his spots and mix it up on the batter once in a while so i think him throwing his change up a little bit more maybe mixing in a slider or a curveball somewhere in there. That's just who Marco Gonzalez is now. Will the league pick up on it? I'm sure they probably will. But if you look at someone like like Drew Smiley, who throws 900% curveballs the whole game, and he's doing great. He's looked great. He almost threw a perfect game. Like, you know, if if that is the way, if people are so used to 99-mile-an-hour fastballs, and then you have a guy like Marco out there, the crafty lefty, just throwing change-ups and whatnot at him, they're going to, maybe they'll falter. Bailey Falter. There you go. Bang. I know the big the big change, I think, for a lot of people so far for Marco has been his reduced usage of the cutter. I mm-hmm. know Mariner's Twitter is just, you mentioned Marco's cutter, and it's up in flames. So it's good to see Marco understanding where his repertoire's at, how you mentioned the crafty lefty. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to compare him to Jamie Moyer and, like, put him in, you know, try and put him on that pedestal. But, like, I'm okay with it. I really am okay with it. Yeah, and the cutter itself, I mean, that was a pitch when – 
when Marco was coming back from his uh, Tommy John surgery, when we got him from the Cardinals, that was his bread and butter pitch. That was his best pitch at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and it took him a while coming back from Tommy John to be able to throw it. So now to see it basically shelved entirely is, a, is very interesting. And I think it just goes to show that Marco, you know, he's got the bulldog mentality. Like they yeah. all say, he's, he's, he's a guy who's going to go out there. He's going to compete. And if he, I'm sure he has a chip on his shoulder last year, not pitching in the playoffs for the team that 100%. he helped get there in the first place when he was a big part of the Mariners kept him around and Mitch Hanniger around because they wanted them to be the leadership for the team to bring them to the playoffs. And then when they got there, Marco didn't get to play. Yeah. So I think overall Marco, I mean, it was kind of a wake up call for him last year. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that Marco's going to go out there and have a three, like three ERA that he has right now the whole year, or he's mm-hmm. only going to give up a few runs, but Maybe we can see a little bit more consistent, a little bit more consistency out of Marco than we have seen in the past year or two. So, I 100% agree. Game two, like we mentioned, we it got flipped for Marco. It is now Logan Gilbert against Taiwan Walker. I think that'll be a really fun matchup. I loved what I've seen out of Logan the last two starts. Taiwan Walker, he's a big name that the Phillies signed over the off season. We, you know, as Mariners fans, know Taiwan Walker very, very well, as you like to call him, the. Fresh Prince. There you go. I was waiting on you to say. I saw him. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you. I don't know. You have. I think you have a bit more of an affinity for Taiwan Walker than I do. Yeah, Taiwan Walker and I are friends on PlayStation, bro. Yeah, you are. You got that. You got that over like probably like ninety nine percent of the Mariners fandom. I, I I would be hard pressed. (laughs) And in the comments below, let us know if you are also friends with Taiwan Walker on PlayStation Network, because that dude over there, Colton, I don't know how he did it. But I've seen it. I've seen it live. Because I played games with him, bro. He, that's he, that's he, what I'm saying. Like that's crazy. He he, st- he streamed. He used to stream Call of Duty, and he Is was that like, Black hey, Ops three days, right? Maybe I don't remember. Yeah. And I, so I joined him for a few games, and we played a little bit. It was fun. And now we're BFFs. But you're not going to be BFFs with him tomorrow because we need the Mariners' offense to continue clicking against the Philadelphia Phillies. Correct. That is right. Yeah. Get yeah. That, get that bulldog mentality back. Heck you, Off- Ty. Offense looked, I think, great today. Or not today. Yesterday. Speaking in the past here. Jared Kelnick, we all know, hit another bomb. Had a three for four day. Could have gone for the cycle if Christian Pache wasn't a great defender out there and left. You know, I think if he misses that ball, rolls past him, and maybe the center fielder like trips over a hot dog out there or something. It's possible. Brandon Marsh eats, eats it on a hot dog. Jared Kelnick ends up staying on third. Could have had the cycle. Then yeah, that you would have needed Brandon Marsh to basically get like follow follow like Brandon yeah. Snyder. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. No, but Kalanick, but. great, 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 great at the plate today. I would say, Tay Oscar, another, you know, another bomb. What are you looking at me funny for? Okay, so this is a pet peeve of mine. What did I do? You. What did I do? Listen, you know, I I want I'm gonna keep this in. I want to keep this in. I want I want to verbally correct you. Sure. His name is Kelnick, not Kellenick. What do you Kelnick. mean? What do you mean? Kelnick. Kelnick? Two cell two syllables. Kelnick. No Kelnick. There's no yeah. way. Yeah, he even said it in an interview with the Mariners like when he first got traded. He said they asked him how to say it and he was like I get I get Kelnick and I get Kelnick a lot. It's Kelnick. The oh. second e is silent. There you go. I mean you could have been told you could have told me that like I don't know several years ago and here we are. You're belittling me in front of four people the four people that'll watch the yeah. podcast <laughs> unbelievable man unbelievable you think you know someone 
How am I supposed to know that? There's another E in there. I gotta keep. I gotta keep you on your toes, man. Are you? Oh wait. Are you, so you're lying to me? What? No, I'm not lying to you. Oh, so you're not keeping me on my toes. You're just like correcting me. Well, I'm. I'm finally letting you get your feet set. I guess so, man. I'm googling this. I don't believe you. <laughs> in the interview, he's playing pool. Okay. It's a real thing. I don't know where it is, but it's a real thing. I've got a pronunciation guide on the Mariners website. Oh, yeah? Yep. I'm going to find Jared Kelnick. Jared Kelnick? Jared Kelnick? Yo, he low-key just says Kelnick, huh? Not Kelnick. <laughs> Jared Kelnick? That's crazy. So, Jared Kelnick and Teoscar Hernandez both went deep in this game. Teo has home runs in three of his last four, if I'm... If I remember correctly, sure. and Kelnick has home runs in his last three after losing his four games in a row uh, home run streak he had. So, and I think what two of the two of his last three home runs have both been the opposite way. So for for, Jared, for Kelnick for Kelnick, Kelnick, yeah, Kelnick, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, both were against the Cardinals. Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty, you know, had a short video go up about that, talking about how is like the only lefty this year to take a pitch on the inner third, drive it the opposite way for a home run. Monster strength. And I think mm -hmm. the one-off Bailey Falter tonight also was just smashed out to like right center field. Dude, when it was like a – Dude got all of it. It was a slider. It was like a slider, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, was so, like, I mean, it, was, it was a slower slider, 83. You know, it's not like that power slider that a lot of guys are rocking these days. But still, right. it was – it was in the ding dong zone. It was high and inside. Like he 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 made sure to get the the barrel to the ball, but yeah. he hit that ball a long way. I think it was four hundred twenty four feet or something like that. Oh, was it? Oh shoot! Yeah, it was. It was a deep boy. The one that fl that he hit off Flaherty was a curveball, right? Like down yeah. and in, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the fact the fact matter is across the plate. Yeah, he's seeing he's seeing breaking balls this year, and that is, I think. The, the biggest change from Jared Kelnick, obviously, other than him having confidence at the plate, yeah. is he can hit the breaking ball. And now pitchers, they can't throw Kelnick a, a breaking ball, you know, and feel good about it. Like they could in years past. They're like, yeah. I'm going to throw him a breaking ball and he's going to strike out. You can't do that to Jared Kelnick right now. So I think that that's just a, a big part for the marriage. And he is he the guy who's going to run like a 210 OPS plus? Probably not. But yeah, if he's the entire year, yeah, yeah, probably not. If he is, he's the greatest player of all time, Jerry Bonds. <laughs> but <laughs> but if if Kelnick has, you know, maybe what I don't know, like sixty percent of this, if he's running like through the rest of the year, yeah, I mean, he's already off to such a hot start through almost the entire month of April. Is he player of the month for April? You think? Friend will like, be the show, or like, or like they won't be either. Yeah, I was yeah. just thinking MLB, but yeah. I mean, Pete Alonso, Max Muncy have done really well, True. so kind of tough to say there. Definitely be in the top five. Well, there's AL and NL Player of the Month. True, those guys are both NL. <laughs> he could, he very well could. He is currently leading the Mariners in home runs. Him and Teoscar kind of having this battle back and forth. You know, a little budding rivalry in the corner outfielders there trying to see who's going to be the home run king for Seattle at the end of April, I feel like. I wouldn't be surprised if every single time Jared Kelnick hits a home run, Teoscar's just in the dugout just brooding. <laughs> like, I can't catch up to this guy. Slow, you Teo's know. like hiding the trident. Like, no. No, no, no. more. <laughs> They're turning into a, a fantastic tandem. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Kelnick <clears throat> Kelnick <clears throat> Kelnick 
creep up another spot and hit behind Teo in the yeah. coming days. Raleigh had a triple in this game. It's great to see him kind of get back into the swing of things. He looked like he's been scuffling a little bit here and there. Not, I don't, I don't know if it's like lack of protection behind him or like that pressure if he was batting four for a long time. Yes, today was a right-handed heavy lineup because Bailey Falter's a lefty. So the lineup construction is a little bit interesting there with Pollock still in there. So I don't know. I I know they don't want Kelnick to be up super high, but I think him and Teo back-to-back is dangerous. Yeah, I think versus a lefty, I like Cal towards the lower part of the lineup because we, we've talked about it before that he has – He's definitely better from the left side, but mm-hmm. Cal, I mean, he really lengthens the lineup if you have him down in like, like I think he was in the seven spot today. Correct. If he's that low, he lengthens the lineup. And a, a lot of this also plays in the fact that Tom Murphy has not looked good whatsoever at no. the plate. So I think there's a lot of pressure kind of on Cal right now. Say, hey, you know, you got to be the guy. And obviously he was that for the second half of last year. Obviously the Mariners didn't have... You know, Kirk Casale was nothing. Uh, <laughs> whoever else was around was nothing. We trends. So yeah. it's like, you know, Cal, this isn't this isn't anything new for Cal. But I mean, dude's getting beat up back there already this year, and obviously coming been, off that thumb surgery, it's been it's been scary. Every single time mm-hmm. he shakes off like a foul ball or a ball in the dirt, I'm just like, please, just please, please be, please be safe, because we, we yeah. cannot we cannot lose him. I would say mm-hmm. that is like that is a position where. If we have to have Tom Murphy starting every day for an extended period of time, that you're becomes, in trouble. That becomes an even bigger glaring hole at the bottom of your lineup. Do you think that there is any world where Brian O'Keefe sees the twenty-six man roster at any point this year without injury? Without injury, if he continues, he hit another two home runs last. I was going to say if he continues to hit, and you know there are guys that are in that rotation of they have some options available. Maybe they're just not performing in the spots that they get. I don't really know what the roster construction will look like at that point because we're probably looking at Trammell coming back, maybe even for this game that we're talking about today because it's a righty on the mound. Obviously, Trammell's a lefty. Maybe he gets out there and we'll see a Teo DH day or something. And he's been mashing in his rehab starts with the Tacoma Rainiers in AAA. So he's going to be there. Tom Murphy's the backup catcher. If Mur- The only person I could see O'Keefe replacing would be Murphy, is what I'm trying to yeah. get at. Because you've got a backup outfielder in Trammell. You've got utility guy in Sam Haggerty. You've got Colton Wong, who hasn't been playing as much because Caballero's been looking pretty solid there at second base as well. So you've got the second base platoon bench guy, whether it's Wong, who's Wong or Caballero, basically. So there's not really a spot for O'Keefe if Murphy's still there. So if Murphy's still hitting, you know, less than a, a hundred by the time June rolls around and O'Keefe's still hitting three fifty in triple A, that would be the scenario for me. Yeah. But then well, Tom gets DFA'd. How does that mm-hmm. work? Because he has no options left and, and he he would get picked up by somebody. Yeah, 100%. just a backup catcher, right? So mm-hmm. Yeah. Tough. And I think, I mean, with the Mariners, the, the other thing is with Hummel going down, they don't have, like, a third string, like, emergency catcher, which is fine right now. Mm-hmm. But if one of these guys gets hurt, you're in deep trouble. I guess that's without. true. Would we see O'Keefe before Hummel, given Hummel's lack of success at the majors? I don't know. I feel like they, they might want Hummel to develop a bit more and give O'Keefe a chance, but... But Hummel also provides 
a lot more, more positional versatility. So yeah, it's hundred percent, you know, you know Keith. So it's tough to say. I mean, I think when you're talking about Taylor Trammell, like you said, he he only got two at bats before he got pulled uh, in the Rainiers game in Las Vegas last night. Yeah. So we don't know why yet. And maybe as of watching this, you do know why. Maybe as of watching this, he's back with the club. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I would not be shocked to see him coming to Philadelphia to because there are three guys on the marriage roster that have not gotten a single day off yet, and that is Julio Rodriguez, that is Ty France, and that is a Eugenio Suarez. Correct. Those three have not seen a single day off. Has of their Tay Oscar? Tay Oscar has yes. Diddy. Yeah. Need... Did you say Titty? I said Diddy. I don't oh. remember when. I thought I thought it was a couple days ago. Uh, no, regardless, if he has, well, I, he hasn't. Whatever. But like, I think when he was first struggling at the start of the year, he did. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't Anyways, matter. long story short, I think especially with how bad Julio has been lately, you gotta give Julio a day off his feet to get his mind. He's been good compared to last year. Don't get me wrong, but he's nowhere near the guy that we saw, you know, in like May, June of last year. Yeah, where he finally got going. Moment. Yeah. yeah, so I would love to see Julio, you know, get a day, just rest up and keep him healthy. I mean, we've there's been, what, 25 games now? And there are a couple mm-hmm. guys that have played every single game. And, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy to think about, but that's just because the Mariners don't have any kind of depth right now with Dylan Moore being on the shelf. Um, yeah, Colton Wong hasn't been good, so you need to use Caballero or Haggerty at second base a little bit more. Yeah. So. Yeah, it sucks that Colton Wong's three hit game where it brought up his batting average, like 49 points was pretty much null and void. Cause it was a garbage game. It was mm-hmm. that final game against the Cardinals and not to discredit hits. Cause when you, you know, you get a, a little bloop, it kind of, it, it can help a lot. A lot of major mm-hmm. league guys say that, yeah, I'm grooving the fastball hitting it, you know, 107 off the bat, but it's an out. Seeing a little bloop fall in can build that confidence. And Colton Wong saw three of those. They weren't fantastic hits. They were they no. were very much so hits you'd expect out of a 2023 Colton Wong from what we've seen out of him. So you're right. We're we're not getting what we want out of him. And those three hits, I'm still not sold. I've honestly liked Caballero a lot more from what I've seen in the small sample size. So yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, and the hard part with Colton Wong is he got those three hits, but then you, I mean. In my opinion, that error that he made at second base that ended up having Nullified. the Nolan Gorman home run. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but in my opinion, it doesn't matter. And the Mariners didn't score anyway, so they would have lost that game either way, whether he made that error or not. They they so. were they scored three runs, and that was it in one inning. And that yeah. was all the offense did that whole game. Like Even and without that home run from Gorman, maybe Castillo still gives up a home run to, what was it? Was it Paul DeYoung? Yeah, Paul DeYoung hit a home run off Castillo later in that game. So that's mm-hmm. a four to three game. Yeah. Right. I, I get what you're saying. That three runs could technically be null and void. Yeah. So in the end, I mean, I put the blame on that game on the rest of the Mariners offense. When, when Colton Wong has three hits and he has half of your team's hits, that's your problem. You know what I mean? Like Colton Wong made an error at second base. Who cares? You didn't hit. doesn't matter. You could, he could have made 20 errors. Still would have lost. He yeah. could have made zero errors. Still would have lost. You got to hit. And we saw that from the team in Philadelphia, but the the offense so far has been so hit and miss. I mean, it's almost predictable to see them make make Miles Michaelis look like he's a Cy Young candidate this year. I I really thought after the first the first inning didn't love the at bats I saw out of Julio and Ty, and I I mm-hmm. think unfortunately that is something that a lot of Mariners fans are feeling right now. Yes, guys go through slumps. It is something that happens in baseball. It's just 
when they're in those one and two spots, you it, it feels like a lot more pressure to perform, I think. And that part of it also, I want to say, Julio, he might be pressing. And you're saying how he needs a day off. I completely agree. It's one of those ones where the last, I think, seven games he's hitting like 245. Maybe the last 14 he's hitting like 260 or something like that. It's not bad. But when you've got guys who are scalding hot like Jared and Teo, it makes those ground outs, three ground outs in a row to Nolan Arenado look all the more mm. problematic. Double plays by Ty France. They, they look more glaring than they might appear. And you're talking about the offense being predictive. Anytime we see a runner on first base and ties up to bat, something, something, Ty France, G-I-D-P, something, something. And it's 100% right. And it sucks that that's kind of where we're at at points with the Mariners offense. We saw a lot of great production out of the bottom of the lineup today in the first game. It was very, very great to see Caballero, J.P. Crawford having great at-bats, but you need to see that consistently throughout the entire lineup. And once you're one and two guys, that just that's not sustainable for a healthy offense that is going to be, quote-unquote, not be predictable because you need guys from top to bottom being able to produce runs. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I, Julio and Ty will get it going. I mean, 100%. it is what it is. Thankfully, we have other guys picking them up right now. But when we have had Julio and Ty both be so consistent, at the plate, at least last year, what we saw out of them, obviously, until Ty got hurt. Sure. Um, seeing them Bailey falter this early in the year is uh, nice. it's a little it's a little scary, especially when you think about all the other what ifs. You thought you know Ty France and Julio Rodriguez were kind of your locks to you know be really good, but maybe Colton Wong and JP, you're like worried about that part of the offense. You didn't know before the year what you were going to get out of Jared Kelnick and mm -hmm. AJ Pollock. So it's like those guys are the ones that are doing good. And then you have, you know, the guys that you expected to just get constant production out of are having trouble right now. It, it is what it is. I mean, right now the Mariners are 11 and 12. So who cares? They're a game. They're like a game or a game and a half back of the Astros. So who cares? Yeah. The, they're, I think they're. It's a long like season. A, yeah. They're a half game back behind the Angels. Who cares? Mm -hmm. So I think I, overall it brings up an interesting point, but I want you to finish what you were going to say first. I was just going to say, you're talking about how you go into the season expecting specific results about players, about just teams in general. I don't know if you saw, it might have been Jay Kuda, Kuda, I don't remember, but the three of the best records in baseball are the 27th, the 28th, and the 29th highest payrolls in all of baseball. And it's very oh, really? early in the season. Yeah, so the Pirates included in there. The uh, Rays. The Rays. Yeah, and so... Looking at that, that's just kind of funny. It's just in like in conjunction with like Mariners Twitter, payroll Twitter, John Stanton saying all the buzzwords right now and looking at expectations. It's early still. There's a long mm -hmm. season. Whether or not the Pirates are there at the end, if they are, yeah, good for y'all. Shocked for the, me. Good, good for the Buckos, right? But we're not expecting Julio to be hitting 250 with like a 25 percent. Maybe not twenty five percent, like a thirty percent K rate by the end of the year, and Ty France to on a double play machine. They'll they'll pick it back up. Would you give Jared Kelnick the Brian Reynolds contract right now? Right now, low key. I mean, he's only that means he'd be a free agent at thirty one, right? How long do we have Mister JK for through arbitration? Six, I think. That's it. I think free agent 20 free agent 2029. Oh, 2029. Yeah, so 6 more years. So we would only get two free agent years. 
eight years, one hundred and six point five million. It you might think be he worth would take it. That? I I'd be more worried about whether or not J.K. would take it. Yeah, I mean, he already declined it once, and yeah. it's looking like him betting on himself panning out for him presently. Eight mm-hmm. years, one hundred six point five. It depends. It depends on what contracts, other extensions we would be able to lock down as well. I would yeah. still prioritize Ty and mm-hmm. another starting pitcher, whether it's yeah. Gilbert or Kirby, before Cal- before Kalanick right now. I would agree with that. I think that overall for JK, the amount – so let's just average out. What was it, like 13 a year if you just average it out? I know that that's not how the contract was constructed for Eight Reynolds. Eight years, but it was like, 6.5? Yeah, mm-hmm. no six point five KZ. Okay, yeah, yeah. ninety five seven uh, KGRFM. I don't think those um, exist anymore, but I don't think so. Um, so for the foreseeable future, in the two years that he would have been a free agent, the Mariners would lock him up for. He probably again, if he's like sixty percent of what he is right now, would probably make more than that. 100%. I personally, if Jared Kelnick would take that deal right now, I would do it. But yeah. I don't think Jared Kelnick would take that deal right now. He's already said he wants to bet on himself. And right now that is something that would work out pretty well for him. Last year, he was probably like, shoot. I should have taken that I, contract. <laughs> I should have taken that contract. And now he's like, yeah. That's this is the what thing, I knew was too, there. is like 2029, that's six more seasons, if you include this year, obviously, where we'll have him under arbitration. And arbitration's a, a fickle bitch where you're mm-hmm. just trying to navigate that whole bag of worms so if you could buy him out of that situation it might not be a bad idea to make him happier make him a more yeah. you know comfortable player and it looks like comfortability has gone a long way for him at the plate and in his approach so maybe that would even unlock another next step for him yeah 342 right now is absolutely bonkers how sustainable that is not really sure yet but after those first that first you know 11 games i was a little suspect on him now he's proved it through, you know, 20 games. Okay, and now it's starting to look a little bit more legit. Eight years, 106.5? That's easy money. But again, what you're what you're saying is right. Whether or not Jared takes it is that caveat because he knows he's going to make, if he continues to play like this, by 2029, he's going to be making $30 million a year. At least. I mean, if he plays Dude, like this, he's Especially like with how the, how the market's going to explode you yeah. know, eventually, right? Everyone's just going to keep making more and more and more and more and more and more money. Joey Otani's going to get $100 million annual average. At, yeah, you know, we don't talk about Shohei Otani. I have a video coming out about Shohei Otani later this week. So going into game two for the Mariners, like we talked about earlier, is Logan Gilbert against Taiwan Walker on the hill. But Logan Gilbert, like we said, was supposed to start on tuesday and it was supposed to be marco on the hill on wednesday joe do you have any idea why they flip-flop the two i think we touched on it a bit earlier with what concerns about flexing whether or not he's gonna be making his next start where ray's timetable's at i would honestly also say just giving logan an extra day of rest throughout the year he's gonna now be pitching on seven days rest instead of six you know taking an, an advantage of that extra day off and marco coming back from the paternity leave I think it's going to show just, I don't know, a little bit more like care for Gilbert and, you know, his approach and his longevity on the mound. The more rest you can get to your starters that are key contributors and key factors for your success, the better they're going to pitch, I'd say, unless they're weird and they're like Max Scherzer that needs to go out there every five days or else he's going to like blow a blood vessel kind of a vibe. <laughs> One of, you know, something like that. Or I don't know. Angie was talking about Diego Castillo, how, how he hadn't pitched since the 16th and it was the 23rd. And he's a guy that needs to go out there and get some reps. 
gave up a home run in that game. So yeah, maybe she's right. Maybe he does need his reps. Maybe Gilbert is a guy that needs to go out there as, you know, every fifth game where to be successful. And we find that out tomorrow and he doesn't do well on seven days rest. I would be very surprised because Gilbert's got great stuff, but my guess would just be working on the longevity of his arm fatigue to make sure that yeah. he is as ready to go as he can be for success. When I first heard about them swapping it, my the very first thing that came to mind is they were setting up the rotation for when Houston comes to town. That was the first thing that came, came to my mind. That makes sense. Then I looked at it, and now the rotation for when Houston comes to town will be Marco Gonzalez, or I'm sorry, Chris Flexen, Marco Gonzalez, and then Logan Gilbert facing the Houston Astros. Really? So I don't love that personally, because right now the rotation is Luis Castillo, and then it would go Chris Flexen, Marco, Gilbert, Kirby. I thought they were setting it up to be um, Gilbert, Kirby, Castillo mm. versus the Astros. But if I if I did my my calculations correctly, then okay. it was yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but at that point maybe Robbie Ray's back. Who knows? So true. So Colton with Logan on extended rest, how many innings are you expecting out of him in Game Two? You know what, Joe? I'm going to give Logan six and two-thirds. Six and two-thirds. Almost pushing the seventh. Okay. I definitely think we need him going six. We saw a big chunk of the bullpen used in game one. First, Brash came in right after Marco exited. We'll touch on more on that in a second. Mm. Second was Spire, correct? And then, uh, yes, and then Tope. Big Topa. Uh, Love. I've loved what we've seen out of Topa. He's been, been really good. Very, very good. And then his, obviously Paul Seawald. His pitches when dude when he went like I want to tune in just to see how much his pitches move. The amount of run he gets on It's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. Another player, pitcher that has crazy movement on his pitches, Matt Brash. However, it's it's been <laughs> it's been an experiment on the mound, to say the least. Yes? More like Matt ass, am I right? he's been okay he hasn't been at like he's been all right there it's like it's the highest of highs and the lowest of lows for him what do you is there something different about him this year people figuring out his command issues what do you think's going on with brash i mean i think you hit the nail on the head it's his command issues i don't know if people are necessarily figuring out figuring it out as he's just putting himself in these situations and mm. i love matt brash i really do i got to give a shout out to my guy lucario who gave me a matt brash autograph baseball at the game the other day that was shouts. cool big shouts so i mean matt matt brash is great i just think that well he's basically a two-pitch guy he's got the fastball and the slider and if one of them's not on he's non-competitive and what we saw in the game yesterday against the Phillies is a lot of his, his fastball command looked relatively decent, but every now and again, he just throw it in the other batter's box. And mm -hmm. that's a pitch where if you're at, if you're at the plate, you can see immediately out of his hand, that is not going to be a strike. Yeah. So you can lay off that pitch and it, I feel like it just kind of opens up an Avenue where if he's not throwing from the same arm slot, like maybe he drops a little bit on his slider. Sure. They're going to be able to see it out of his hand, and they're going to be able to smash that pitch because they know exactly what's coming. They know where it's going to end up. It's To a lefty, it's probably going to end up either if he starts outside the zone, right in the middle of the zone, or it's going to come inside on him. They can lay off that pitch. So yeah. Matt Brash, overall, I mean, he's still hitting 98-99. He looks good. It's like the velocity's there, mm -hmm. but the 
what we saw out of him last year with his command, it just is non-existent right now. And it has been for most of the season, except for like the first game, except for when he faces Jose Ramirez. Yeah. It's the only time he's, his command's great. He's, he peaks against Jose Ramirez. I know yeah. his slider break was not, I think it was about six inches less, just far too much when he faced the, the Guardians and he gave up against Will Brennan, right? Oh, that one? Yeah. Yeah, so when that, he, when that, that game, yeah, that game, his slider movement, like I said, six inches is a lot. <clears throat> Way too much. Six Less. inches is really big, guys. Yeah, so big. When your pitches aren't breaking how you're expecting them to, because you're right, he's going to start it on that outside corner off the plate, and if it's breaking 13 inches, it's cutting across the entirety of the plate. If it's breaking seven inches, it's ending up in the middle of that plate, which is not where you want it to be. Maybe he's an adrenaline junkie and he just needs to get into those situations to then like feel something. I don't know. I'm glad he was used in the sixth. Yes, it was the meat of the order, how you brought up earlier, but had that been in the eighth inning, I would have been shitting my pants. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And I, I don't think that he's like, as of right now, he's not a guy who should be seeing leverage situations for the Mariners. At that point, it was five to one. Not necessarily a leverage situation, but like you said, it is the middle of the lineup. Maybe, maybe I would go with Justin Topa there, but you know, I think that the sixth inning I think was the right point to use Matt Brash. There's still sure. plenty of game left, so he can go in there. He can still face the high leverage guys, obviously the Trey Turners, Kyle Schwarbers, etc. of the world. Mm -hmm. But he, the game isn't on the line with him up there for the most part. He can, and uh, did he give up a run? He did. I think he did. Yeah, he gave up one, and that yeah. was on a double. It was a fielder's choice. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, they got right. they couldn't get the ball back to first on the double play because Brash was worried about whether or not he had to cover home or go to first because mm -hmm. Bohm hit the ball to France. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, and then fielders right, right. So, so that's how the run scored. Overall, I mean. I think he was fine today for the most part. He, you know, relative to what we've seen, he's not the guy who's going out there and walking three straight. He's not He's not giving us quite the Fernando Rodney experience, but he's getting close to the Fernando Rodney experience that we all uh, knew back in like 2016 or whatever year that was, 2014. Sure. And I just don't think that right now he's the guy you can go to in those high leverage situations. That's But thankfully, Topa has stepped up. Seawald's been decent, although he did give up a run today, but he still looked good. He's 7-for-7 seven seven in save opportunities. Um, did he give Gabe up a run good. He did. He did give up a run. Who are the main leverage guys out of the bullpen for you right now? Obviously, Seawald's the de facto closer, if you will. Mm -hmm. You like Topa. I, are you leaning yeah. on Spire and Gott? Like, where are you at with those guys? I think if I, if I had to pick, if I had to do, like, a traditional bullpen setup like two setup guys and then a closer yeah so if paul was the traditional closer setup mm -hmm. guys would be topa and spire for me um i think middle relief would right now would be brash and diego yeah and then we have got in there probably like the somewhere seventh. like the seventh yeah and seventh? so seventh eighth seventh yeah i think i would go yeah seawald in the ninth de facto of course and then yeah spire and topa are the guys right now and Obviously, when Munoz comes back, this bullpen gets a lot better. It, when Munoz comes back, I mean, send down Taylor Saucedo. But if Robbie, when Robbie Ray comes back, we, we had this conversation already. Mm -hmm. When Robbie Ray comes back, then what do you do? And that honestly might be sending down Matt Brash right now. I don't know if nah. we're quite. I don't know if we're quite there yet. You're sending down Diego Castillo. We're so. sending down Diego Castillo. But Matt Brash is one of those guys right now that I don't trust and. 
I don't know if we can throw him out there in anything other than big leads or mop-up duty. So that was a bold statement you just tried to throw out there. Sending Brash down. I think it would get it would need to be a point where he has zero command. It's his mm-hmm. command is okay at best. Yeah. And that's not something you can have in those high leverage situations where I think you're right. You need him in the sixth or seventh where you've still got a little bit of time to cover some ground if you have to. It's when he loses all command that's like, okay, put him back down. Get him some reps where he can be just dominant. Because if he was in AAA or double or wherever he'd be, he'd probably just be in AAA. But he would be just... Oh, he'd be the best pitcher down there. Exactly, for sure. yeah. He, I would be surprised if he gave up runs, basically. Mm-hmm. But it's the command that you need him to really hone in on. You mentioned Munoz. He should be back relatively soon, maybe in time for some City Connect vibes. Everybody see the City Connect leaks? I I don't know. I, I'm throwing out. I'm a fan. I don't I'm also know, I don't, a fan. I've seen some mocks with the blue pants versus like some yeah. like gray pants. Rather some grays or some whites. Please. The, the, the blues yeah, like, would be too much. Yellow striping or something. Sure, oh. sure. Okay, I have a question. Aside yes. from City Connects, Mariners cream Sundays, mm-hmm. yellow belts. What are your thoughts? Love them. I that don't like the thing. yellow belts. You disgust me. I, I saw them like you disgust me. I'd rather them be blue. I'd rather them be the blue. If I had to pick between yellow and blue, I'm picking the blue. Yellow or blue cleats? I think the yellow and the cleats could work better, but blue yeah, cleats, I, blue ooh, cleats look, work better. But I think if I had to switch there, if I had to pick which ones it would be, blue belt, yellow cleats. If I had to pick one for the other, I'm a big fan of the Mariners yellow. I am. I think I, it's my favorite color of the colors they have. I don't dislike it. I saw like Te- like Teo was wearing the belt. I'm like, that's a weird color for a belt on like some creep. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. How I felt about it. But City Connects, Colton. What's the deal yeah. with these guys? Obviously, we can't really show you them for you know the sake of not getting copyright struck. But the City Connects, I love the way that they're looking. And if you guys haven't seen the. Uh, the mock-ups or the leaks of them they come out you'll you'll they'll be out in two days the marriage team store is going to be shutting down i'm sure to basically just like hoe it up in there with a bunch of city connect jerseys mm-hmm. all over the place um i think they look really good they're like that kind of classic pilots blue with the gold lettering and like the, it looks kind of like a metal lettering kind of like a like a trident yeah and then they have the uh soto mojo in the background not mariner mojo i know I was in talks. I was in talks with the guys there. Okay. Didn't work out. And so, so they did Soto Mojo instead. Uh, we have, they have the Mayo Mai on the bottom, the PNW patch. I don't love that patch. I understand. I understand why it's there. Yeah. I don't think it looks very good. Out of the things that we've seen of these leaks, it's probably my least favorite part. I enjoy like, he's in the Mayo Mai, the Soto Mojo. Those like subtle like nuanced things. The PNW is definitely my least favorite part as well. Yeah, I and like I said, if you want to see them, either a you could wait a couple days and see them, or b you can go online and Google it and you'll yeah, find it. They'll be everywhere. <laughs> very easy to find right now. Yeah. Um, the Mariners are actually like I don't know if other teams have been doing this, but the Mariners are throwing like a whole party for all of this. Yeah, like, I think super cool. I saw like, I, I saw that announcement and I'm like this is this is like a big thing. Like, at the team store on Friday, they're going to have, like, an open where you can come in and get your merchandise. They have, like, a DJ there and all this stuff at the at the stadium, which is just insane to think about. And, like, in the team store. 
And then they're doing like a Mariners watch party at the Hatback Bar and Grill next door. Yeah. And you get like 20% off if you're wearing City Connect jersey and all this stuff. They're having the whole party night there. And then the Saturday. That yeah, tell I'll, tell I'll, us about that Saturday. I'm going to be there on Saturday. I plan to be there. I Nothing is confirmed yet, but I plan to on Saturday go to Pier 62. And I think it's from like 10 a.m. to like 9 p.m. or something crazy like that. The Mariners are going to have food trucks there. They're going to have DJs. You're going to be able to get your City Connect merchandise. And they're just all, all at Pier 62, and they're just going to be hanging out. I think that's, that is so cool. It's like actually getting the city involved. And I know that the Mariners, they're doing a really good job. Like, you know, it's called City Connect. They're doing a really good job connecting with the city. And I think one thing that's really cool with the All-Star Game coming to Seattle this year is they're going to like – old things like i think they're doing like the red carpet show and stuff at pike place mm-hmm. so it's like that they're, they're I've never getting seen the, it. the city involvement is at an all-time high and i yeah. think part of it also like the the team's success is huge it's a big contributing factor there if the team was 70 and 92 last year would we see as big of an involvement as big of a push for you know the this level of involvement probably not for being realistic but the the city and the team are kind of you know they're they're in the limelight they're we're, we're popping off seattle is a sports town and i'm not mm-hmm. gonna i'm not gonna hear anything else about it yeah and right now i mean you've had what the four sports teams in seattle right now they've all made the playoffs yeah. you know in their collective seasons and bring back our sonics Just please saying. i love basketball Woo! you know you'd become a, you'd know you'd become a basketball fan as soon as the Sonics I would. came back i mean i don't remember a time a single time i ever watched hockey and i've been watching hockey the last few nights so the down by pier 62 where the marriage are going to be having this little party thing is also the simply seattle shop make sure you use code mojo 10 at checkout for 10 percent off and go in there and say what's up if you guys do happen to go to this party thing on saturday go in there and say hey mariner mojo sent us yeah i don't know if it'll be any good but say it anyway. Another starting pitcher for the Seattle Mariners has a 3.57 ERA before their next start. Look it up. Logan Gilbert does. So does George Kirby starting game three against Matt Strom. Another lefty on the bump for the Phillies. How are you feeling about George Kirby heading into Citizens Bank Park, Colty? You know, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Citizens Bank Park is a very hitter-friendly park, and we know the Phillies have a very, very good lineup. I think that the Mariners have the edge pitching-wise. I honestly forget that Matt Strom exists. Dude, he struck, like out 11. he struck out 11 his last outing. He's a lefty, too, so, you know, he's throwing a slider, and Mariners are going to be swinging like they got blindfolds on up there. Matt Strom struck out 11? I'm pretty sure, at, at one point. That's crazy, wow. right? Yeah. That's yeah you're, crazy. you're right, though. Philly's got a great offensive lineup, just full of big, big bats, it feels like. George pitches to a lot of contact. You know, gonna gonna kind of kind of hope the Bapit gods are on our side that day, but... I don't know. This game one win out of the way. Game two, I feel like pretty even matchup between Gilbert and Taiwan Walker. I could see. I you, know, I like I like our chances. Let's just put it that way. I'm not going to say anything other than that. Leaving it vague. I like our chances with Kirby in game three as well. Yeah, I mean the Mariners going up against last year's NL champs, and I mean they looked up to the challenge in game one. Game two and game three are going to be pretty telling of, you know, where the Mariners are at at this point in the season because we've seen them struggle versus the Brewers. But they played the Cardinals a little bit better than the Brewers. And, you know, now they're playing the Phillies. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what the Mariners are looking like at this point because, like, two weeks ago, Mariners' Twitter was in shambles. And now... I mean, we still are a little bit, but... Always. I mean, Mariners' Twitter's always in shambles. Yes. But 
I think that the Mariners have the upper hand of these next two games now. I mean, again, like you said, Walker and Gilbert, relatively even. Honestly, I might just give it to Walker just because he's, you know, the vet. But Gilbert mm-hmm. has never shied away from a challenge. And I think if anyone can handle a lineup like Phillies, I think it would, you know, I think it would be Logan Gilbert. George Kirby's a guy who isn't really going to walk many. And so he's going to be in and around the zone. And the Phillies know that. So a good contact team out of them. I think that George Kirby's definitely better than Matt Strom. But we all know how the Mariners look against bad pitching. Hey, some they're, I, You said it before, talking about making Miles Michaelis look like a Cy Young Award winner. Matt Strom, he's going to go out there, probably shove. But, but if a couple of the Mariners' hot bats stay hot throughout the entire series at Philadelphia... We got this in the bag, boys. Thank you guys for listening to episode five of the Hit It Here podcast with our YouTube or Spotify. We appreciate you very much. See you guys later. Go Mariners. Why are you kissing us? I'm kissing you. I'm kissing the fans, bro.